Okay, so this is a more serious episode, so I feel like we should skip our, our silly little, oh gosh, we don't know how to intro intro. <laughs> you um, mean we don't just stumble ass backwards into this podcast recording booth? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so this is Reels Up. It's a Criminal Minds podcast. We're talking about season one, episode 16, The Tribe. And I'm James B. Say hello. Hello. And we have a special guest, everyone. Whoa. This is Sid. Hi. <laughs> hello I'm, yeah. here. I'm here you gotta do the dance I'm so glad it's not just me that does the dance <laughs> my favorite my happy dance I just rock back yeah. and forth okay so um this was a rough a rough one so this episode is by a lot of intents and purposes bad period end so of sentence full it's zero full rating bad. from me I'll say right here at the top, full zero, <laughs> nothing is going to change my mind. Full zero episode shouldn't have made it. It's a fully, really racist episode, just straight off the bat. It's racist in the way that white people are like, we're representing underrepresented cultures. We, we cast a whole ass Native American man. He's gonna tell us all about it. So, like, that's fine. Not racism here. Um, but then they do say some not so good things. <laughs> some, a lot. <laughs> they say a lot. Let's not give them the benefit of some. I have. I have. Okay. So, uh, Sid, on a normal episode, I've got about four, or five pages of notes. Six, if it's like I've got a lot to say about JD's outfit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Oh, so sorry. I did get you drinking. <laughs> I mean, to be yeah, really so honest, I like went to yeah. watch it before coming here and like started <laughs> and was like, for for so many reasons, I'm not rewatching this. But I did watch that, it like a yes. month ago, so like, yeah, I have enough no, that's trauma fair. from that experience that I can be <laughs> yeah. pretty honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do have eleven pages of notes. Great. Yeah, like I said, a chunk of that is like Native American history because I, I screenshotted a couple of things and I explained a couple of references. Um, but it is it is a, it is 11 pages long. Yeah, That's why it took me so fucking long. Yeah, yeah. That's why it took me so fucking long to watch this episode. <laughs> I was like, every time I paused it, I was like, so sorry, guys. Do have to write this down. <laughs> I did three episodes. I did three episodes of laundry, loads of laundry while waiting for james to watch this episode it took like three hours for you to like watch this app yeah which and is so I, valid I, I didn't watch it on my dvd i watched it on the um ethically sourced copies that i do have <laughs> on my laptop um so i don't know if there were deleted scenes or not but i don't think anything could have made this any better yeah um, no you're right <laughs> yeah okay so in the in the essence of let's preface this episode some okay so i will say there's a lot of real native american history in here i paused it when um john is teaching his class i paused it on his the whiteboard behind him and i took notes of what his timeline was and that's what like a page and a half of my notes are like the actual historical like facts of that um so there is some like if you put in the time you can learn a lot, you know? But at the same time, 
None of the writers did. No. None of the writers put in the time. No. <laughs> at all. Like, here is one Native American person. We have done our yeah. jobs, but also, like, we're going to write in, like, a whole lot of shit that negates any kind of, like, good we've done by hiring a single person. Right. Who I yeah. would love to ch- double check. I'm not 100% sure he's actually truly from the tribe he is representing in the show. Oh, sure. Which yeah. is its yeah. own I, I would not be surprised. Yeah. I would not be surprised if he was not actually um, Sherikawa Apache is what they say that he is. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And like a lot of the history he's teaching is Sioux history. And then there's like one of the things on the list is about um oh I have it now. hold on I I cannot overemphasize eleven <laughs> pages so of many notes and it's such tiny handwriting too at least it looks like it from here yeah. I'm like squinting at my screen trying to see what the what you have written down. Yeah it's it's like there's part of like Lakota history if that's correct. Um, they talk about the crow. They talk about just like a bunch of different areas. So I don't know. That doesn't feel like there's anything tribe specific, you know, for this. I don't know. I I don't know how Native Americans categorize their history. There's like, there's every tribe has its own history and its own belief system. And I would bet good money and like to preface like where I'm coming from like I very much come mm-hmm. from Canada like my background is like Mi'kmaq from the 1752 treaties and also Métis on my dad's like I have I have a mix um so like my history and my knowledge comes from like Canadian indigenous culture um but what mm-hmm. I do know about like American tribes is that it seems like it's patchwork of different things that they thought would sound really good together. They were like, ooh, like these war crimes, in quotation marks, would look really good for a murder to open the episode. And like, we can just patch in some history from a different tribe later on. Yeah. And they, yeah, they try and call that out, right? Because like, yeah. The killings are a mix of different tribes, rituals, that's what they call them. Uh, And then at the end, when Ingrid is like, you're not a real Apache. And he's like, that word doesn't even mean what you think it is, or you think it does. But like, he still spent, like it took until the end of the episode for him to like correct anyone on that. Which again, comes into the like, is it his job to educate but clearly this is something he's passionate about. And he's even teaching the children, calling himself Apache in front of the kids. So like that could have been a moment where, where like even if he had called himself Danae right in front of the kids, it doesn't get explained until the end. But they were just like, no, we'll just use Apache because white people will get it. <laughs> white you people know? will understand the surface level and just awful racism in this episode. Let's, okay. Before we dive too deeply into it and actually recap this episode, Mm -hmm. because this is, I know we might 
not seem like a Criminal Minds podcast sometimes, but we are unfortunately still a Criminal Minds podcast. Yeah. Let's maybe, let's get our like, the three good things that happen in this episode, which are mainly women looking hot. Can we just like get those yes. out of the way first and yes. then we can <laughs> dive into how yes. awful this episode is? I, I do have a couple of notes, actually. Okay. One, most of them are around JJ and her increased involvement in this case. So, like, when they're ta- they um, talk to the chief, the white police chief, whose name is Jim, because of course it is. Um, <laughs> One of the seven names for a white man. <laughs> right. They talk about, like, um, JJ says, like, there's, so the, like, framework of this episode is that the town of Terra Mesa has used eminent domain to take half of the Apache land um, from that that's allocated to them as part of, excuse me, their res- reservation, and they're building housing developments on it. So mm-hmm. a lot of the um, debate they make and stuff comes from, you know, oh, is it the Native Americans trying to get their land back? Is it the white people trying to keep the stolen land, et cetera? And so JJ says, like, well, there's a court coming, there's a court case happening. So like people could be trying to turn public opinion against the Native American, mm-hmm. Native Americans for like fighting the land grab. And I was like, yes, JJ, put those things together, make conjectures. She isn't just walking in with some news. She's like, excuse me, I do have a thought actually. I know, I love how they finally let her put two thoughts together now. We've, yeah. we've taken a while to get to this point, but she now no longer has thoughts. She can put them together too. I'm so happy for her. I know. Uh, and later during the profile, I think, is it during the profile? No, later on, she's, they're talking about the chief, like how are we going to find this cult leader chief? And she suggests, why don't we look at school records, right? Like Ingrid was at school. Maybe she met him there. And, oh and yeah, that, she did mention that. Yeah. And everyone was like, good idea, JJ. And guess what? <laughs> That's how they found him. JJ was correct. They literally finally were like, oh, I guess like. I guess this blonde girl maybe should probably do something in our series. Right. <laughs> like, we can't just be pretty. Yeah. Oh, and then um, L brings JJ when they go to talk to the dad. JJ is also sitting there to talk to the dad. It's her idea that he gives a press conference. And I was like, good for you. Um, I love that they were like, we've been paying AJ Cook to come to set so many days. <laughs> Yeah. We should finally let you do something now. <laughs> you know, we've just been paying her to, yeah, we've just been paying you to sit here and look pretty. Why don't I give you some lines? <laughs> um, those are my JJ things. Oh, and I have one insert here about Reed. So when John says, go to Gideon and says, you look like a college professor. And then he looks at Reed and says, and you look like a student. Um, it made me laugh because I read in an interview with Matthew Gray Goopler from during season one, he says that Reed, had no intention of going into the FBI, that he was like in grad school, like getting his math or his PhDs. And Gideon just went up to him and was like, hey, I'm <laughs> you're going to join the FBI. You will be on my team. So like they talk later about how like Reed, you know, we've already, we know that Reed like didn't have to do a physical. He like never passed mm-hmm. his gun exam, like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's because he yeah. didn't fucking go to the FBI Academy. Gideon literally was just like, Slap a badge on him and give him to me. <laughs> Which is just like, 
which is just like really what the fuck Gideon said Gideon said Gideon was like oh look at this skinny young boy malleable I can make him see me as a father figure he can memorize things very very good and I would like him I would like this neurodivergent child on my team please he just he took this like what is and he's like this one yeah yeah like, okay, what the fuck, Gideon? <laughs> Let this, you know what? And that makes me feel better because later when he like does become a professor or he's only like part-timing with the BAU and he's like a, being a professor, I'm like, good for you, Reed. This is what you wanted. Reed is like, do <laughs> you remember? Oh, quick uh, spoiler alert for. We I'm have. Here- we have to go low spoilers. I've gotten so many messages about it. I okay, have a sticky really, note on my computer no, that says really don't spoiler. do spoilers. This is really we low need to spoiler. Go low. Okay. I will. Okay. okay. At some point, Reed says, like, is it bad that I'm with the FBI? I could have I could have cured schizophrenia by now. You know, yeah. and it, it makes me think of this moment of like, he really didn't have a choice. He was young, he was vulnerable. A father figure just like triggered his daddy issues and he didn't have a chance. <laughs> Poor boy. And he was like, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, did you just say you're proud of me? I will join your federal government bureau. He didn't even like, <laughs> say he was proud of him. He just looked at him and gave him like like a glimmer of like, that was pretty smart. And Reed was like, you think I'm smart? I'll die for you. Yeah. Also, there's a moment in this episode that, like, the episode doesn't acknowledge it, and I will acknowledge it when we get there, but it, it did make me laugh. Poor Reed. That boy should have, like, just kept getting degrees, teach, eventually, like, cure schizophrenia, meet a nice lady friend, or guy friend, whatever. And then, you know not been on the show anymore he should have had a nice happy life nice happy healthy stable life <laughs> reed deserves better than whatever the fuck criminal minds put him through over the course yeah. of 15 years they all do but that's aside from the point but reed especially okay I'll how go. does this episode start <laughs> yeah okay um <laughs> so we start in terra mesa new mexico mm-hmm um, in like a housing development that looks like it's either mid-construction or it's been abandoned. I think we find out later that it is mid-construction, that the construction yeah. has been halted because of the court case. Um, oh, I did write this sound. The song that's playing is In a Goddard Abita by Iron Butterfly, which is hilarious to me. It's The song is 17 minutes long. Oh my God. Yeah. Do you guys not know this song? Do you know the story behind no. the song? Okay. I wrote no. it down because I need the story. So basically, <laughs> the lead singer of Iron Butterfly, Doug Ingle, was trying to like sing it, the words to his drummer, um, Ron Bushy, but he was so drunk that he couldn't say, in the Garden of Eden. He kept saying, in Agaba de Rita. <laughs> so the drummer just wrote it down that way, and they thought it was like so funny they kept it. And so the recorded like album song is 17 Minutes. But like in 1967, they did a set at a bar and their entire set was a 35 minute version of Inagaba da Vida. Like every Dave Matthews band song live in concert. 
Right. And so when this started playing, I was like, are they trying to tell us something? Which they were, right? Listening to a, a, a mixed up version about the Garden of Eden. Hello. Oh my God, James. Is this another instance of us being smarter than the show? Are we smarter than Criminal Minds? I mean, I don't know about you. You didn't catch it, but I caught (laughs) it. Oh, fine. I guess I'll just go (laughs) fuck myself then. Give me a minute. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. No, they must must have done that on purpose. I think that was our little, like, you know, first pre-credit hint kind of thing. The music recently... In like episode 14 also did that where they were like, yeah. guys, don't worry. This is foreshadowing. So maybe they were just like on some shit, on okay. some musical foreshadowing I, shit. I do have some comments about the last song on this episode. The last song of this episode, I do have some comments We on will it. have to, we'll get to when we get to it, James. We gotta. <gasps> it started playing and I literally like flashback, war <laughs> flashback to fucking crying about my ex in high school. I was like, <laughs> oh God. Not the script. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Okay. We're back. We're back. We're back. Um, there's a girl. We never left, but we're back. <laughs> yeah. There was a girl, our main girl, Ingrid. <laughs> she's like talking to some people and they just like start making out. So she's like, okay, have fun. Um, and like walks away and is like, where's the bathroom? She got the candle. She goes upstairs. Uh, and then we see like someone looking at her from the outside. And there's like a black van. And you hear them say, that's our girl. That's her. So you're like, ooh, they're going to get her. Uh, and then she goes into the backyard and they, they do get her. They do. She does get got. She does Not get in got. a murder way. She just gets taken. Yeah. She gets gotten. Uh, so the boyfriend goes outside. Or if not the boyfriend, like the guy that was like talking to her before goes outside. And is like looking around, calling her name, can't find her. And then there's like. They, uh, it's that criminal minds thing of like the sh- it's like Dutch angles and it's yeah. blurry and we're cutting super fast of people like sprinting down a hill and then there's like They're flash of knife flash of yeah. knife screaming um and then there's a white out to Quantico not a blackout the screen does go white and then comes back to Quantico I have so much to say about <sighs> why do yeah. they use like the same seven crazy filters all the time um why do they know. do that why do they do that why do they do why do they do anything that they do i don't know but i just like it i just like it immensely i would like to say that this was okay. season one so this was 2005 that's true there- at this point it's 2006 but yes yeah yes yeah that is also, I think, important to remember is that it is 2006 when they did this episode. And so if you're wondering why Criminal Minds tends to just, like, forget this episode and shove it to the side, it's because they thought it was okay because it was 2006, when in reality it wasn't okay, it was never okay. But they try and just, like, skirt around this one because it was 2006 just kind of slide it off do they ever do another like native american episode no they really said listen we <laughs> fucked up so for the next 14 years we're just not gonna mention you at all though <laughs> consultants don't know them hiring native american creators don't know them <laughs> just no episodes thank you <laughs> not at all nope okay oh 
vlog. Uh, we get to Quantico. <laughs> Penelope is walking with a roll of paper towels in one hand and a spray bottle in the other, looking very purposeful, looking very, one of those idiots came into my office and touched all my screens. And she's walking. And then the elevator opens. And Sean Hochner walks out. He's got his motorcycle helmet in one hand, leather jacket, the fucking like blonde, like, ugh, I didn't cut it yet, hair. And she freezes, shoves her things into some guy's arms, and then just 180s and follows him. Which, mood, I guess. <laughs> If I liked men at all, I, that would probably be a mood. I, okay, we'll get to there. We'll, I do have a comment about something they say that I don't agree with. Um, about which is the hotter Hotchner brother, because it's not Sean. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> okay. He comes in. Uh, Penelope walks into the bullpen, and Elle's like, what are you doing out of your bunker? And Penelope makes some comment about, like, oh, this guy, like, look. And, like, oh, she's like, I'm going to file... I'm filing. I do filing. And she like nods her head. And Elle like looks over her shoulder at Sean and is like, okay. (laughs) She has the most disinterested, like when you're gay, but you have to support your straight friend getting messy over some dude at a house party kind of look where she's just like, okay, honey. Okay. Okay." And he's like, hey, I'm looking for, and then, okay, this did confuse me. Derek comes in and Derek goes, Sean, as if he knows him. But then holds his hand out and says, I'm Derek. And shakes his hand. And I was like, so do you know him or what? Is he like, hey, I saw a picture of you on Hotch's Facebook. Nice to meet you. Like the familiarity. I feel like Derek would be the kind of person to be like, hey, I saw a picture of you on Hotch's Facebook. And then go with it yeah. completely. He's like, be like, we're friends now. Yeah. He's like, I'm Derek. You must be looking for Hotch. And then just like puts an arm around him and like leads him away. Very, that's bisexual behavior, Derek Morgan. Derek, really Derek walked around the women and went, this one's mine. Hi, I'm Derek. Like, he was like, oh, this body with a body? You look like you could cause some chaos and fuck me up. Let's go. Sorry, ladies, but I do know his name. That makes him mine. <laughs> and so they like lead, lead them away. And Al is like, oh, wait, that's Hotch's brother? So, um, oh, yeah. This is where Penelope's like, is Hotch adopted? And I was like, is this a comment on their looks? Because Aaron Hotchner's the much more attractive of the two of them. I think not everybody likes a man in an ill-fitted suit. And like, I respect <sighs> you liking a man in a dorky looking suit. And I respect that. It ain't me. I'm so sorry, but like, greasy boy, like, get a fucking haircut. Sean Hotchner is gonna win over fucking Daddy Aaron. Excuse me. Don't okay. Do not. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can be on this podcast if we're gonna refer to Aaron Hotchner as Daddy Aaron. Exactly. Okay. So sorry. many of our gay podcast viewers just turned us off. They were like, "Actually, I'll come back next week, gang." I'll have you know, I know our gay podcast listeners, and they're on board. So, <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll move on. I will accept. I will move on. Derek. Oh, here's another thing. Derek congratulates Sean on getting into Georgetown Law. Maybe they're just Facebook friends. Well, I was gonna say it sounds like Hotch has been like 
Hey, did you guys hear? My little brother got into Georgetown Law. Like, ooh, let me tell everyone how cool my baby bro is. And then Sean just says, actually, I'm I'm not going um, to law school. I, I will continue to be a fry cook. <laughs> I think the, the implication from this scene with Hodge is that um, he wants to be like a chef chef. Right. So he's like, you know, I'm sorry, not going to do law school. And honestly, I respect it, you know? Yeah, and we also find out that Hotch's dad had a heart attack at 47. (laughs) Aaron Hotch needs to be less stressed ASAP. He needs to get a massage ASAP. I literally, like, paused it and I was like, does Hotch ever have a heart attack in this show? (laughs) No, he doesn't. But that would be, that would be hilarious. If he was like, Oh, I'm 47. And like, I feel like if he <laughs> stuck around longer, they would have done that to him. But also, like, how old is Hotch canically at this point? Because he can't be oh, that young. Can, uh, I can tell you. You're opening up Pandora's box here. <laughs> so Aaron Hotchner canonically is one year younger than Emily Prentice. And at this point in 2006, Emily Prentice is 34, which means Hotch is 33, which has to be incorrect. So sure Thomas Gibson is like 45 by this point. That's fine. But canonically, Hutch is 33. What am I doing with my life? Because it's not going to be being the chief of BAU at 33 fucking years old. Yeah. I think so. Well, he's not the chief. Gideon is the chief. But I think that at this point, they think his character is older. Yes. Gideon is the chief. When he leaves, that's when Hutch becomes the chief. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Trust us. We know. Yep. We don't put out a video version of this podcast, so you guys aren't going to see Sid just looking like, what the fuck? Confused? And like, we know. My head is going to Trust me. <laughs> You're so confused, yes. and I get it. Okay, so there's a really funny moment, I thought it was a really funny moment, where Sean is like, I don't have to explain myself to you. You're not dad. And Hotch is like, then what are you doing here? And Sean's like, you know what? You're right. And then he leaves. And I was like, oh, we've got some major older sibling, younger sibling. Yeah. Because I think it's heavily implied in the episode with the little boy who sings like an angel. And the guy is like. The cannibal hallucinating one? yeah the cannibal mm-hmm. one it's heavily implied i think that hotch's mother died because the way he's talking about her being from like an mm-hmm. old family in yeah. virginia he talks about her like she's dead so if hotch's father died at 47 then hotch probably like raised hotch probably like raised sean because we know sean's only 25 because hotch says yeah. that um so hodge even if at this point i mean not if he's like 33, but even if he's, you know, in his late 30s, he definitely like raised Sean, you know, so that whole like, yeah. you're not my dad, um, probably hits, probably hard. hurts. <laughs> probably <laughs> hits real hard, yeah. Probably, hey, fuck you, I am your fucking dad. <laughs> like, I hope you because- study for algebra in high school. What the fuck? I'm your fucking dad, basically. Also, like, this is where you bring back that Hotch's dad was abusive. Mm-hmm. which they hinted at in that earlier episode mm-hmm. where Hotch is like, some of us go on to like catch men like our father. Not mentioned. Not mentioned at all. Yeah. 
Like, this is the conversation to bring that back, right? Sean being like, why would I want to be like our father? Yeah. You know, James. like, why are you trying to be like a father? I just want Criminal Minds to be a good show. And it's just not. I'm convinced they wrote the episodes down on sticky notes and we're like, we'll remember this when the time comes. And then the sticky notes all disappeared and fell off and they were like, whatever, who cares? Um, I think they do kind of make an allusion to it in in another Sean episode later. Yes, they do. I believe they do make an allusion to it. So maybe this writer just forgot. But this is like max seven episodes later. Yeah, literally, (laughs) this is... I like, think it was exactly seven, actually. I'm not going to yeah, lie to I'm you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was episode, like, nine. And then Sean does That was in like, Natural Born yeah. Killer. Yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah. come back for literal years. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah. we should probably talk about that thing. <laughs> we should yeah. maybe talk about that guy. Yeah. So, okay, so Sean leaves. He's storming through the bullpen. JJ has joined Penelope and <laughs> Elle. Love the idea that Penelope was like, gotta go get JJ real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Runs out, grabs her, brings her back. <laughs> I love how Elle's just sitting there casually and then JJ and Penelope are the ones doing their little like right. their little chit chat and yeah. Elle is just sitting there like I guess I yeah, I'll, guess I'll enjoy the view I suppose Elle's like, like <laughs> I suppose like, my fucking bisexual friends have the worst taste in men I don't understand <laughs> literally like literally also so JJ's like oh that's his brother like I don't see it and then like Hotch turns around and is like you're not my dad! And like leaves, and JJ goes, Oh, now I see it. <laughs> Literally! She was just like, No two people have the same brand of daddy issues like that unless they're siblings. But her eyes, like she, her eyebrows, her her eyebrows like fly up. She turns around, she looks at him, looks at his butt, and then goes, Yeah, I see it. It's like the yell in the butt. She's like, That's a Hotchner. <laughs> <laughs> Judge writes. <laughs> Stop. Stop. You cannot say these awful ships on our podcast. Whatever. I'm gonna bleep I'm gonna bleep this out just to spite you. No. And people are gonna be like, what's the awful ship name then that like James said? Give me the forbidden ship. And then it'll be like a fun little ARG with our podcast listeners. It's not the forbidden ship. We all know what the forbidden ship is. Yeah, I got yeah. banned from Discord like three times for just trying to find different ways to say it. <laughs> yeah, that's the true, truly forbidden ship. Anyway, Hotch like glares at them and they all scatter. And like JJ goes left and Pen- and Elle goes right and Penelope is like sitting and she's like uh 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 <laughs> and then the scene just ends. <laughs> she's yeah. like, I guess I'll just go back to cleaning my monitors then. Bye and just yeah. runs. They gave us a nice little moment because it cuts immediately to JJ being like five people dead. Uh, <laughs> like- <laughs> this episode, I cannot insist how much this episode, this little workplace comedy bit that they have with. Hotch's brother coming in and with all the ladies like watching and everything. This feels like later Criminal Minds workplace comedy goofs. And they were like trying to do it. And then they were like, but what if we bookended this fun workplace comedy goofs with just a whole pile of racism in the middle? What if we just kind of dressed it up a little bit? And it makes me sad because this is such a good bit. This is such a good intro bit. And then they're like, hmm. But the racism, we have to get through that too. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> now that we're having a good time, <laughs> let's, let's take it down a notch. Yeah, so there's, there's. okay, here we go. All right, here we go. <clears throat> no side sexual assault, no theft, 
Um, they say there has to be more than two unsubs. And I think Hodge calls them a pack. And JJ's like, a pack? I uh, love audience insert JJ. I know. <laughs> What's that? What is that mean? <laughs> Thank you for asking, Queen. I didn't know either. <laughs> yeah. So it's three or more people. Um, and they say, like a pack, like an animal pack, like they'll keep killing until they run out of prey or until they're stopped. Like they're very tight nip. They're very relying on mm-hmm. each other, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then they do describe that one of the people was impaled on a pike, though. Yeah. Yeah. Minimal defensive wounds. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I think this episode is confusing. Number one, bad racist episode. Number two, it's weird to me that they were like, this is a pack. And then they just like pivoted away from that immediately and were like, it's a cult thing. And they don't explain to you how those things interact or how they connect. They just are sort of like, oh, we thought it was a pack. Now it's a cult, actually. And that's different for XYZ. They just were like, actually, we're going to swerve this way. I think it's interesting. This The phrasing they used here at the beginning, I think, really sets up a lot of the later racism in it. Like the, mm-hmm. the animal pack. Mm-hmm. They like hunt together, kill together, that kind of thing, you know. And I think it goes through to where at the end, um, Jackson Kelly, the leader of the cult, is like, eventually you're going to revert to your like animal instincts, like the animals you are and hunt, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think this is just kind of like, because we don't know that there are Native Americans involved yet, this phrasing isn't necessarily like, offensive yet yet but then it's like as soon as the native american stuff comes in it's like bad bad (laughs) bad phrasing it's also they don't like later in other later pack killing for lack of a better term like group episodes where there's like groups killing they go a lot more into like dynamics and stuff and then Mm -hmm. in other like other cult episodes they also go more into dynamics and stuff so i feel like they were like we don't have time to go into the intricacies of cults or packs so let's instead racism with native americans let's just do that instead and it felt weird like would like to put like put in that when they're talking about the pack and the hunting and the killing um I will say this word one time and then never again because I actually fucking hate this word. But, like, they make it seem very savage, which mm-hmm. is a slur against which, any kind of indigenous or, like, Native American and it, people. And it comes up later. Yeah, and it does. And it's just, like, the way they describe the pack is very reminis- reminiscent of the way people describe, like, Native Americans protecting their land. And so... Yep they really set themselves up to like knock it out of the park with the racism later. They're like, how can we lay the groundwork to be the absolute fucking worst? And they do it. You know, they were really successful in laying that groundwork. Yeah. Really successful in the racism guys. (laughs) I think, I think this episode does the thing. So my father is like white from the South. He knows a lot of conservatives. He's not at all, but he, you know, always made a, made a point of being like, this is a conservative dog whistle. When they say like, you know, undesirable people in the neighborhood, this is what they mean. Like those kinds of like coded language. And I think this episode relies heavily mm-hmm. on dog whistle terminology, on that kind of coded language where criminal minds can get away with saying, we didn't call Native Americans this, the unsub did. 
But like, you know, the, the same way they do in other episodes where they lay pieces. I know, right. They're like in the same way in other episodes, they like lay pieces for so that when you meet the unsub, you're like, oh, he takes off all the boxes. They do that with the Native Americans. And then at the last minute, they're like, but it's fine because it's not them. But like, you're still like going through the racist motions. You're still yeah. you're making people make those. Like, if I say like, um, like when you say like the N-word, you know, like I'm making you make the connection, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of like thing where like they, they're going to say pack animalistic, ritualistic, but we're not calling Native Americans that. This is just a ritualistic killing. You made the connection, you know, which is not good. Not good. It's not good at all. All right. So we get to the house, the house where the people did die. Hotch, Reed, Gideon are there. The rest went to the station house. The co- yes. They mentioned that there are <laughs> fucking like sleeping bags and a six pack of beer. And somebody is that is it Derek who's like, it's all you need for a night of teenage romance. No, it's Hotch. Hotchner? Aaron Hotchner. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure that these what look like well-off white kids could have done way better than a sleeping bag and a six-pack. Yeah. I'm gonna say as a small-town kid who was, like, like, grew up in a middle-class family, sleeping bags and a six-pack, usually in a field, was the way to go. There was nothing else. Yeah, the thing is, is that they're in a house. Because, like, I'm with you there. Like, I know... We've all been there, unfortunately. Like, We've all been in like the not bed all of somebody's of us have been there. Not all of us have been there. It's like an abandoned construction site. Like, uh, I, I, my last name isn't in this. I'm not going to get arrested. I've definitely done that. I've definitely broken these construction sites. <laughs> my dad's never going to listen to this. God help me if he does. Definitely <laughs> places I knew my dad was wiring and would be empty brought friends oh to God. get absolutely hammed. Like, and then uh, it's my just, dad bitches like, like, the next day when he had to go to work to find all our empties. <laughs> it's just how it's like, it's only five people. I'm not going to have sex within 70 yards of my friends. Like, they're not that far away. That makes me so intensely uncomfortable. Listen, I may not have been in the backseat of someone's truck, but... It's the bed of somebody's truck. There's a difference, oh, please. <laughs> so sorry. Um, but I may have been less than 70 yards from a person. <laughs> in the same bed. I just... Ooh, I that's fine, though. Yikes. <laughs> Dick move, but respect. I just... <laughs> I yeah. just think yeah. that it is so funny to me yeah. that... They're like abandoned house, like with some sleeping bags and candles, whatever. And then they like never make a pinnacle of teenage romance comment in my in my memory when they're like at like lovers lanes or stuff like that. It's rare. It's weird. I don't know. It's just weird yeah. to me. And it's Aaron, anyway, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's it's yeah. Yeah. Aaron Hotchner makes it. makes it. Yeah, he does. It's Aaron Hotchner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Hold on. Okay, we can on. continue. I will say though, my dumbass, they were like, there were five people in three sleeping bags. So like, there might must be a six person. So you don't bring like a fifth wheel around. But I literally for a second was like, wait, 
five people in three sleeping bags like sharing a sleeping bag that can't be comfortable and then I, then when he says the teenage romance thing, I was like, oh, for sex. It's, it's for sex. It's <laughs> a <laughs> sex thing. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. They're having sex in the sleeping bags. Okay. But I was like, ew, I'm not sharing a sleeping bag. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> no, yeah, I got you. And I think it, they don't make the connection, but I think it does tie into later when they're staying at that ab- abandoned motel. I think they're in this house because they don't live anywhere. You know, it's as much like a self-imposed homelessness thing as anything else. Um, okay. So, oh, we get a very prominent comment that footprints are no good here because people have been trampling. No footprints. No footprints. No footprints. None at all. Can't, you can't, you can't tell. Okay. I'm about to get very gory. So heads up for that. All right. So one of the bodies stuck on a pike. The other Mm -hmm. four bodies were skinned alive with, but not the wrists, inner thighs, neck, veiny areas. They made it so that they wouldn't be a lot of blood, just skinned them, um, which is not so nice. And the guy was alive when he did get impaled. Yuck. I wrote yuck. <laughs> I will say I am very grateful they did not show us these bodies. Yeah. Because criminal minds can get- budget too yet. Show- That's 100%. true. I was going to say criminal minds will eventually show us some very gnarly bodies, but I was like, as soon as I started talking about like skinning alive, I was like, if they show us these bodies, <laughs> I am leaving. <laughs> yeah, they only had the budget for like paint can blood, so that's all they had. There were like three like spurts. There were like three splatters and that was yeah. it. And I'm like, okay. Like, they like overturned really their water bottle of blood, <laughs> you know, on like three different spots. Yeah. Oh, so here's a question I have for you. Mm-hmm. Reed says native american plains indians which feels like if you're saying native american plains tribes like the but to say but to call them plains indians and then also call it them defeats the purpose of using native american at the beginning because i know there are like the plains tribes because we mm-hmm. talk about them later but to say native american plains indians just feels like hey reed you didn't have to add that at the end <laughs> like yeah Green says a lot of things that are questionable. Bad. A piece later with Reed that I do want to touch on, but one hundred percent. I went to go Google that because I wanted to know if it was what they went by, but no, it's just yeah. a generalization for like Native American or Indigenous peoples from like a specific part of like Canada and the U.S. And it's mm-hmm. the plains, like the Midwest. Yeah. Like I've heard like, you know, the plains tribes, mm-hmm. you know, just like you have like the, the Southern yep. tribes, the Midwestern, you know, but to call, but to say Native American plains Indian, it's like why we also add, like, it just was like, okay, read. Um, so then Jim, the sheriff tells us that all of this is Apache land. It's all an Apache like burial ground, um, which again, like I, 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 Why is it a burial ground? Always right. Burial ground. Why does it always have to be a burial ground? Right, but like all of it, like all, like all of this. I mean, I I don't know too much about like Native American like burial, but would it just be like definitely not all a burial ground, but like generally? And I am gonna say this: whenever people want to do construction, and the more of it they want to do. And the worse it'll be for the environment, they always pick a place that is sacred. 
And they have so many choices to not do that. But they, like, no. they, like, it's like they have, um, like, a metal detector. And the metal is the sacred land. And they're like, <laughs> right here. This is Ugh. where we're going to do it. Um, I... I, I guess it's like, you know, when you're when you're picking sacred land, you pick good land. Yeah. You know? Well, because it would be, so, like, generally, the land that we would, like, consider sacred land would be land that would be, like, near, like, a form of water or somewhere that, like, holds uh, deep meaning through, um, like, anything. Like, it has a reason. It always has a reason. And the reason is always mm-hmm. so overlooked in the name of capitalism and money. Of course. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. So, okay, one thing this episode does that I, like, don't want to give them credit for because I don't think they were doing it for in a good way was they do, there are, like, tentative toe dips into the lake of criticizing capitalism, but they never actually do it. Like, when the when Jim says, like, oh, yeah, the town seized, seized half of the Apache land by eminent domain, because they they had no money or like interest in developing it. So the town was like, well, you're not using it. You're not going to use it. We'll use it. Which to me is a criticism of the town. Like, hey, it's their land. They don't have to fucking build houses on it. You know, mm-hmm. but this but they don't it's not criticized in the show. It's just stated and then Reed states what eminent domain is. Which is basically the government is allowed to take it if they if they want it and they pay the people who live on it. Um and then they moves on, you know. Which criminal minds loves to do. It loves to do it. Also though, it, just because you're not building things on it doesn't mean you're not using the land. And it's mm-hmm. worse because they don't acknowledge the fact that like they live on this land because they have been forced into reservations. Yes to live on this specific land that has been laid out. But just kidding, we're also taking a chunk of that land again. Yeah, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a very good point. I, I have that later on when we go into the history that's on the whiteboard. That's a good point. You're right. You don't have to build on land to use it. Yes, you're completely right. Um, okay, and I, Garcia, my bae, why do you say things like this? They call Garcia, and it cuts to her, and she says, one order of bad guys on the Apache reservation coming up. And I was like, okay. Because, you know, they're, they're like, okay, well, who who, uh, who of them could be responsible kind of thing? And she says that. And I went, well, no, thank you. <laughs> okay. So she says that in the 70s, there was a militant group called the IRM, which I did the research. There is not. It is not. But there was a group called the AIM, the American Indian Movement. Um, and so when she talks about how John Blackwolf um, very involved in political protests. He was pretty much only arrested for like activism. But his father was, she says, his father was killed in a shootout with the feds at Wounded Knee. So what she's talking about is 1973, the um, American Indian Movement occupied the original um, like town, I think, of Wounded Knee uh, because the chairman of the Bureau of Indian Affairs was super corrupt and they wanted him gone. They wanted an administration that would actually listen to them they wanted the government to like honor the broken treaties. They wanted all of this stuff. And there was a um, fight with between like the Sioux and the federal government. And like two federal agents died and one Native American man died. Uh, and then the government was like, okay, fine. If you like surrender, we'll 
do this. So they surrendered and then they didn't do it. So that's the shootout with the feds at Wounded Knee. Okay. Coming to mind. Story of the American government versus like with pretty much everybody. Hey, we'll do this thing. Actually, we won't. Actually, no, thank you. Yeah. So um, I'll bring this up again when, when, when John says it, but this, the part where John is like, we don't massacre people, you do. And Hotch says, what, me personally? And John's like, no, you're federal government. And, I- and also, I don't know why Hotch was like, oh, me? When John literally was just like, oh, yeah, you're the government guy, so you do this. Like, yeah. Hotchner acts like he's. this is the first thing John Blackwolf has said to him. It is not. They had a rapport going. Hotch and then is- John was like, white mm-hmm. Hotch is honestly the main racist of this episode. Just white yeah. Gideon also is really bad. yeah, ha- yeah. <laughs> he always is. <laughs> He's yeah. never good. Yeah, it was. It was just like I. I didn't like it. Like I think this episode really highlights, um, at least us looking at it this you know from this more critical lens highlights the like it's a choice to be in the FBI. Like it's a choice to work for the federal government. Like you could go be like a Native American rights activist and use that law degree for something good, Hotchner, you know? But then Hotch is like, how dare you say I would ever perpetuate this as if it wasn't literally the FBI who killed this man's father. You know? Like, Hotch, you don't have the best history in this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This episode was like both, it was like propaganda wearing a hat that says I hate cops you know like it really was trying to do both okay so and it did neither good yeah no one uh so Hotch is like have you heard of John Blackwolf and Jim is like yeah like he's an Indian activist which Mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily like that um but he hasn't done anything violent and then he's like oh and don't don't worry about calling the police on the reservation John is the police. Also, they really make this reservation be like, there are two adults and a school full of children. It's so weird. (laughs) No other adults. Just those two. And all of their children that they teach in this school. (laughs) And all of their many children. I mean, there's an interesting, there was an interesting moment. So the, the woman's name is Jane Bear. She's the president of the tribal council and the principal of the school. And she says, like, because of eminent domain, the government has been paying, you know, families to move off the reservation. Uh, And she says, like, they barely have enough kids to fill a classroom. You know, so it makes it sound like they are uh, losing people, if that's the right term, to this eminent domain. Um, But I was still like, but, like, where are the rest of them, though? Like, after this happened, like, where were the parents of the kids that were hurt, you know, because any other episode, this would end with like cars of, you know, worried parents outside of the school. So like, where are they? Yeah, but those kids are white. now in this. We don't, we don't do that with kids who aren't white. Yeah. They didn't want to pay that many native American people for this episode. Oh, you're so right though. They were like, we have one. Wow. And look, this one looks native American. So she counts. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that woman and I was like, I'm not going to say you're not Native American, but you look real Mexican, ma'am. And I mean that as a Hispanic woman in the way that like Lola Glaudini's Italian playing like a half Cuban, half Mexican woman 
I was like, you can't just kind of like cast one brown person as another brown person. Like it doesn't work like that, guys, please. But they do. Yeah. But like they do. Um, oh, I will point out when like Hot shakes her hand, Gideon shakes her hand and Reed does his little dorky like, hello, wave my hand, yeah. doesn't even try to wave her hand, shake her hand. Um, which I was glad they established beforehand. So like that didn't feel like a Reed being racist thing, which it could have. Like we've established she doesn't like handshakes. So I was like, you get a pass on this. <laughs> You're the only yeah. one who gets a pass. Yeah. Um, and Jane and knows. only for the handshake thing. For, for nothing else handshake. that you say. I want to make sure that that is very clear. He only gets a pass. He yeah. only gets a pass for not liking hand handshaking in general. Yeah. Everything else. No, thank you. Um, so Jane knows they're here because of the Terra Mesa killings. Jim is like, yeah, we need to talk to John. And she says, like, you think it's him? Like, how many times have you, like, called? She says he's done more for the reservation than anyone else. Like, how many times have you ha- called him to help you find lost hikers or, like, drunken campers who, like, went to pee and can't find their, like, things any like, their sleeping bags anymore. Like, it's peaceful. And then um, Jim is like, yeah, but, like, he would defend his home with force if it was attacked. And she's like, okay, but, like, what's being attacked? And Hotch says, well, like, does he see the development on Apache land as an attack? <sighs> Which I, even like, I mean, yes, it is, right? Like, we know it is. But it's, it's, it would still be like cold blood to like go and kill like six college kids in the middle of the night who have nothing to do with it. Like, that's not the same thing. Isn't the entirety of the United States founded on the idea that you can protect your home? Isn't that the whole thing? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Stand your ground. Yeah. Well, also, it's... Well, we know that doesn't count because... Well, I mean, we know it only counts for white people because there was a woman in, of course, Florida, and this is why I know about it, who was Black, and a man was trying to get in her house, and she shot him. She went to prison for killing him, even though that's literally what stand your ground is for. Yeah. It's such bullshit. Um, that. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So then we we go into the classroom. And John is like, who was the last tribe to surrender to the U.S. government? It's the Cherokee Apache, which is this tribe. Uh, And Reed answers it. And then he says, like, who's the last leader? Reed's just mumbling under his fucking breath this whole time like the most insufferable college student known to man. I hate his ass for this one. Also, just Ugh. like, shut up, white boy. Shut up, white boy. In the fucking indigenous class. Literally. Shut up, white boy. It makes me, watching that episode, and like I like I said, I didn't rewatch it for this. I watched it like a month ago, and I still have rage oh. in my body from Spencer fucking Reed interrupting with his own goddamn answers i get it you know everything shut the fuck up sorry i'm done (laughs) there's a moment so no you're so right so reed we last leader was the geronimo and then um oh i didn't write down what the last thing was but but john calls on samuel and reed answers instead and hot tricks over and goes reed is your name samuel and everyone laughs and then john and samuel share this look that is literally like these fucking white people. And I was like, I was like, the editor of Criminal Minds is like, knew what they were doing to keep in a moment like that. There was like, every person of color watching this is going to be like, yup, 
Because even this kid, who had to be 11 max, is like, done with it. A white man? No! Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I do have a little bit of history here. So I paused it on the white, the chalkboard behind um, John. And I wrote on the little timeline. So the first one is 1866, the sewer angered as the U.S. builds force. Forts, and you can see the word FET on the board, which is short for Fetterman. So here's what we got. Uh, in 1866, there was a fight called the Fetterman Fight or Massacre. Um, the Native American name for it was the Battle of the Hundred in the Hands. Um, and it was in December of 1866. But basically, the U.S. built Fort Phil Kearney and Fort Laramie and um, like on Native American lands. And the Lakota, Cheyenne, and Arapaho people fought against the U.S. Army. They, like, invaded and were like, you can't build fucking forts on our land. Like, you designated this, our land, stop it. Um, and Fetterman was, like, a some sort of, like, general officer, U.S. Army guy. He basically attacked, even though, like, the people at the forts were like, don't attack. Like, we're going to be defensive. And Fetterman was like, I don't want that. I don't want to be, be on the defense. So he and 81 men like met the Native Americans like in the woods and they all died. All of the white people did die. Um, so the chief of the Sioux at the time, his name was Red Cloud. And like his point of view, most of the wiki page was from the white people's point of view. But his point of view was basically like, we're not going to bow to like, invaders like they came to our land we're gonna get them off our land um and then eventually in 1868 um there was a treaty between red cow and the u.s with the u.s being like fine we'll stop building forts on your land um the next thing on the whiteboard is 1867 it says an american era begins um and it has a couple like city names like dodge city abilene cheyenne um and basically and the the chisholm trail where basically it was just for like driving cattle from Texas to Kansas. And they started building cities like along the way. So they like, they built Fort Mann, which was, it was still Mexico at the time, um, but it fell. So in 1850, the government built Fort Atkinson, which was abandoned in 1853. Um, I think he was just describing how white people started like settling basically in native lands mm -hmm. and started creating their own trade routes and things. Um, and then the next thing on the board is 1868, the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment is the amendment that says that all persons born or naturalized in the U.S. are U.S. citizens and have all the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, equal protection under the law, etc. Of course, we know that's not fucking true. Um, and then the last thing was 1869 was Fort Laramie, where basically there was a treaty um, with the Sioux in 1868 that said that... Um, the Great Sioux Reservation has ownership of the Black Hills, and there's like land set aside known as unceded Indian territory um, that I guess they were going to share, but still counted as like Native American land. Um, and it gave the U.S. government the right to pro prosecute and punish like everyone. So instead of like crimes on Native American land being punished by like tribal councils, they were punished by like U.S. courts, uh, and they finally agreed to abandon all of their forts. Um, and there were provisions, this is so shitty, there were provisions in there to encourage the white man's way of life, which sounds very um, 
conversion school. You want to know what happened with that? Yes. <laughs> that just yeah, turned yeah. into social workers being like, actually, the way you live is not con- like conducive to raising children, so you can't have your kids. We're taking them, and we actually sell them to white families for $10. So that was the 60s scoop was like the big name for it here, but kind of happened ongoing. And then I don't know. I don't know what like the schooling portion of it looked like in the States, but I imagine it was very similar to in Canada where we had the residential schools where it was run by churches and they wanted to beat the savage out of the Indians. And basically it was a prison for any kind of like native American indigenous people to turn them into the quote is, um, by the time they leave, the only thing Native left in them will be their blood. Ugh. I don't like that at all. No. No, there's... Yeah. No. We're going to not talk about that anymore. Or I will cry <laughs> on the podcast. Oh, there's a lot of shit sure. happening in Canada um, with that right now. Yeah. So, we didn't learn... so. I'm from Florida. Florida is the end of the Trail of Tears. Um, Andrew Jackson, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I learned about the Trail of Tears going up, but it comes from this treaty because the Ponca tribe was not a part of the treaty. So the U.S. sold their land to the Lakota tribe and the removal of the Ponca was the Trail of Tears. That was like part of it. Um, and then I did read that in 1980, 1980, very recently, the Supreme, there's a Supreme Court case that was the United States versus the Sioux Nation of Indians, where they basically like, they're still trying to give them like a billion dollars in reparations. And the Sioux refuses the money and says, we just want our land back. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. I don't want your billion dollars. I want my land back. So that's the stuff that's on the board. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, interesting is a terrible word for it, but I, I thought it was an interesting choice for them to really highlight what John's focus was. Like, what is John? That is adorable. Just like, what is, yeah. Uh, like, what is John teaching the kids? You know? Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that it was all about, like, they can't take our land don't let them take our land, you know, which is very fitting for what's going on around them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I did like that. The thing that Reed answers is the gahe, which is, um, which is like mighty spirits is how they describe them. Um, and then Gideon is like, are they, are they good gods or bad gods? Uh, which feels very reductive. And and John does answer um, both, like men. Is any god a good god or a bad god? Gideon, None. do you have a god that is only good? It also, it makes me think of like, how many religions, like Greek, Roman, etc, etc, where you have, you know, any religion where you have a pantheon, right, you're going to have gods that represent our very, like, one-to-one metaphors, you know, and then you're going to have gods that are just, like, general, you know, kind of thing, you know, 
but you have Aries who's literally like war, you know, but then you have Psyche that's like, people do think things, you know, <laughs> so it's like, how people can you be thinking? People do be thinking though. So it's like, how can you just be like, are they good? He might as well have been like, are they helpful spirits or harmful spirits? Like, hey, Gideon, can we not like infantilize? Also, like, hold up. Didn't Gideon just have a few episodes ago where he was like, in the Katrina ep, he was like, it could yes. be good or bad. <laughs> what the fuck? Gideon, don't you have some like vacation days that you should maybe take at your cottage? Like, maybe like, just. <laughs> Just take take a day off, bud. I, like, Gideon actually has very little to do in this episode. Like, the only thing that's really, like, Gideon-centric. No, they, they also don't use Derek a, a lot in this episode, which I noticed. No, they have, oh, a, token, that I'm thinking they about it, have there. a token person who is not white. They can't have both of them. They are using their minority budget already. <laughs> There's only... <laughs> Only one per ep, guys. This could have been like a Derek and L episode. They could have just said, why don't we just highlight the two people of color we have in our cast? And instead, Hotch is the center of this episode. Criminal Minds. <laughs> with, with some sprinkling of read. Criminal Minds really said, I don't see color. <laughs> End of sentence. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't see color. I'm going to bring it back to a white man. No! <laughs> yeah oh god that made me really bad that made me so like Gideon shut the fuck up Gideon go quote a bible verse and get over yourself um, <laughs> go, read so, go help Reed solve his daddy issues in your cabin in the woods good, far good, away uh, from this case ooh now there's a fic I'm sure has been written <laughs> oh, <unfortunately>. <laughs> <laughs> me, I'm not sure I want to read it but if you do get it I'll see what I can do I'll see what I can do Okay. That's definitely already been done, and I hate that we've said it now in this podcast. <laughs> Rule 34. Hey. Don't. Cut. 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 <laughs> Furiously clapping. Cut this. <laughs> cut this. Cut this, please. Take it okay. out. John obviously. <laughs> John obviously doesn't need to be told they're here for him. He opens the drawer, pulls out his knife, his badge, and there's a book that's like, focus on life sciences. Because he like, he takes his very large knife, which is not a, which is not a comment on his having a knife at all, but it, he picked that up and I was like, whoo, that's a big knife. And I was like, <laughs> if I was holding that knife, I would be like, I'm not, I do not have permission to be holding this very large knife. Mm-hmm. He picks up the knife, he picks up his badge, life sciences. I was trying to read the newspaper. There was like a magazine below it. That said, like, read something. So I was like, is the magazine the hint? Uh, but I couldn't I think read we're it. giving Criminal Minds too much credit here. Again, we oh, are smarter than this program. Yeah. Okay. At least this program season one. Like, okay. maybe, yeah. maybe season 12, they might have put something in the magazine, but. I feel like, I feel like season, like, six, seven, eight is, like, P- like, bell curves, right? Where one is at the bottom, six, seven, eight is, like, the top of the bell curve, and then by 15, it's in the trash again. I feel like probably what happened is they rented a schoolroom, and they just used whatever was already there, and so they opened the drawer that oh. they had got him to, like, put his props in, but he had not taken out the social science book or the magazine, so they were just still there, <laughs> and they were like, this probably weren't even his hands. <laughs> like, probably this probably yeah, weren't probably even his weren't. hands. 
it was like a close up. They were like, oh shit, we should like show his knife and badge. So they like put some shit in a desk and were like, yeah, it looks like a school now. Okay. All right. John walks out. He says, you look like a college professor. You look like a student. He looks at Hotch and he goes, you, you look like FBI. Gideon doesn't look like a college professor. Gideon looks like a man who got very lost on his way to mow the lawn. Yeah. He does not look like a college professor. He's almost wearing, he's wearing like a knitted cardigan in this episode. Like Gideon's first like grandpa. They really said grandpa (laughs) right. Yeah. (laughs) Grandpa right. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so I do like, though, that, so, like, Hotch says, um, we're with the BAU, and then John says, you're profilers. So, like, he knows who the BAU is. I like that they set up immediately that he's not, like... He's not dumb. No, but not, but, like, a lot of, a lot of the people we've met, the local police departments we've met, like don't know what the BAU is, or they have a very loose understanding of profiling. But for mm-hmm. him to be like, oh, you're the BF- BAU, you're profilers, you should know better. We don't massacre people, you do. It like very clearly they set him up in like, in the power position. Yeah. But he knows more about them than they do about him. I like that. Yeah, I love how like the the white cop dude, Jim, one of the seven white names for men it's is like. Name. I Jim know, and I'm James. sorry. I'm uh, sorry, but it's true. Okay. The whole time uh, I was like, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how the white cop is like, I have no idea. What do you do? Jim's like, What? Why did I call you here? He just seems very confused. And then <laughs> John's like, Yeah, what's up? Sticky, what do you though? need? Jim's like, I found a number on the sticky note. And I was like, fuck it, I guess. <laughs> you know what it makes me think of? That episode where, um, I think it's the same Katrina episode where like the teens have been looking at like the same skeleton for like ages. That fucking episode. Yeah, but like the guys call call the BAU and the BAU turns up and he goes, I don't know, someone gave me your number and said if any weird shit happened I should call you and like, this is weird shit. Like, that's Jim. Like, I really like the idea that like, police departments are like, this shit is weird. They post in their like, we police weird shit Facebook group and someone's like, bro, you should call JJ. You know, like. Literally. It's just like an email chain that goes around that's like, if you see any weird shit, call this number. (laughs) Jay, how many calls? Okay, how many times has JJ been like Jennifer Giroux, press station for the BAU? How can I help you? And the person goes, "Hey, yeah, um, there's a skeleton that looks like it fell off a cliff about ten years ago. I found there's like a dead body on top of that skeleton, and also there's like a deer. Um, is this the number I call? <laughs> is this the bureau? Is this like the office of weird shit?" And JJ just JJ just has to be like, yeah. I really like to think that JJ <laughs> yeah. answer her phone sometimes and just be like, Ghostbusters, where'd you find the body? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but Criminal Minds, X Files, AU. <laughs> but like, but like, Emily is Mulder. Right? JJ is Scully. JJ's like, I got assigned to the X-Files department. She, like, opens the door and Emily's, like, in her basement, like, pawing at a picture of fucking Bigfoot. 
And JJ's just like, God, you're so lucky you're hot. That's the only reason I'm not walking out of here right now. B, I'm so sorry for the um, editing that you're going to do for this episode. <laughs> I've never watched The X-Files. I've dissociated <gasps> for the last five minutes. What's up? I don't know what's going on. Just B, happy to be here again. Fuck? Anyway, right. Criminal Minds. Criminal Hold up. Give me a second. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Everybody applause. Yeah. Our off-topic se- off- off topic segment is over. I can't Wonderful. talk. <laughs> okay. Um, they give John the pictures. And the pictures he look at, they're like, see what you can make of these. And the first one is a blood spatter. And then he skips to the third one, and it's like the house. And, and I'm like, like, we're going into a transition. As soon as I saw that picture, I'm like, we're going through that photo. So and I was the right. The transition was so bad. Dragon tails, dragon tails. <laughs> and they just like fly off and just the- <laughs> dunk into it. <laughs> yeah. What's that thing that when it's like blue skin do? You can too. And they just jump into the art. That's coming to mind. Yeah. Okay. So they get, oh, they give him the pictures. And he like, oh yeah, he like looks at them and he looks at Gideon. He's like, are you showing me these because you think I'm the killer? And Gideon goes, I'm showing you these because you're an expert in Native American culture. And then the music, like the drums start up and there's this like loud, like music of like, oh, he's the expert in the culture. Um, And then he's like, I have to walk the ground. Which when someone says that, I feel very like it implies some flavor of mysticism you know because that's like a thing with like in white cultures with like witches right you have to like walk the grounds and like pick up the vibes so just the way they like said that i was like oh is this gonna be like uh the spirits tell me it wasn't but for a moment i was like oh are we? i would have thrown a brick <laughs> through my television <laughs> yeah yeah i'm a white person and this was hard to get through <laughs> i can't imagine um so they get there and they're like oh like don't even bother looking at the footprints the outside's been compromised and then reed starts going on about like the apaches are the best track trackers they like do this and do that whatever and then hotch goes oh he's profiling the dirt (laughs) (laughs) i literally what the fuck i hit pause let me read you my message i said i paused and i immediately was like b (laughs) you were you messaged me immediately and i was like yeah yeah i was just like i i can't do this i said every time i think i've heard the worst thing reed explains how apache are amazing trackers and then hop says he's profiling the dirt no he's i'm he's tracking like i like i guess like i guess but, like, we don't need the, like, they profile the dirt and we profile people. I just didn't like the, like, just say he's tracking. Like, we get, we get what that means. I, feel, I don't need you to translate it. I really appreciate that y'all asked me to be on this podcast, but you really could have just put my voice going, a white man? No! 85. <laughs> <laughs> like, Aaron Hodgson, shut uh, the fuck up. Like, no literally this whole episode no (laughs) they wanted everybody to be a profiler this episode so bad they even called the cult guy a profiler later and it's like not everybody's doing exactly what you guys are doing you know that right like other people just read people really well that's not profiling 
They throw that word around. I think even in later episodes, <laughs> uh, this is not a spoiler, but it's like in later episodes where they're like, don't profile me. Stop profiling me. Like, hey, dude, maybe I'm just your friend and I like know you as a person and I have yeah. some opinions on what you should be doing with your life. Let's not profile. Maybe I'm just like concerned <laughs> that you seem to be like smoking a pack a day and like repressing all of yeah. your emotions yeah. and you haven't seen a therapist and you've been through some pretty like severe trauma not profiling just concerned you don't need like you don't need to be a profiler to be like hey friend you haven't showered in a few days and like that's fine but you good how you doing buddy hey friend you good yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> you almost got shot a few episodes ago and uh it was really situation <laughs> there. Have you talked to a therapist about that? Seems like you're really oh, angry all the time. <laughs> all the time, though. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, John doesn't have a gun, and Hotch is like, why don't you have a gun? And John just goes, 25 feet. And Hotch is like, uh, Reed is like, what? 25 feet? And Hotch turns around and says, it's the maximum distance someone with a knife can close the distance to the other person before the other person can register, draw, and fire their gun. And so John is like, so like if we're within 21 feet, I'm good. If we're like outside of 21 feet, I have other options. And Reed's like, yeah, like shooting. And he's like, oh no, Reed goes, oh yeah, like negotiating. And John's like, no, like running. And I really appreciated that. I really appreciate John being the like best low key comedy this episode, where he's like, "Actually, no, I'm just gonna go in that case." Reed really tries to be like, "I know how Native American people are," and the guy keeps being like, "No, no, <laughs> like, that's not how this works." Little white boy, white man. I know you took some Native American history courses in university. They were probably taught by a white man. <laughs> Oh, I wrote Hachi Two Guns. That's a callback to, to, <laughs> to Teddy Two Guns. Throwback to our episode number six. Derailed? Maybe? I don't know. Why is derailed? We go back to derailed nine. so much. Episode nine. Oh, and I was wrong about Natural Born Killer. It was such a good episode, though. It was. Okay, I think so... both, in, both in Criminal Minds and also it's a good episode of our podcast, Wheels Up. Everybody go back and listen to episode 109, Derailed. Or Tommy Two Guns, I think Tommy is what we guns. called it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Why am I promoting our podcast on, on our, our podcast? podcast. <laughs> no. If you're listening to this episode, why you don't might you listen also to enjoy <laughs> our other episodes. You're like YouTube's like recommended sidebar, you know? <laughs> but only for our podcast. Um, okay. Um John is like, I know Hotch that you have two guns. Uh, oh, he said that earlier, and so Hotch is like, How do you know I have two guns? And John's like, well, your right instep is heavier than your left instep. And I don't, it doesn't look like you have a clubbed right foot. And Hotch is like, there's no way you could tell that. That's not a perceptible difference in my steps. And John says, there isn't a problem with your instep. There's a problem with your perception. And Hotch is like, Hotch is like, Bleh. And then John like storms away to go into the house. Hotch is skeptical. That's what I wrote. Why did they try and make them buddy cops, but also enemies? Well, that's the, that's that, they're that trope. We should you probably know. just have sex. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, no, we can't, we can't do this. We cannot do this. James, 
James I swear to fucking God. We cannot <laughs> do this. Don't full government name in this podcast. I'll bleep it out, but I swear to fucking God. Yeah, please don't. Please don't we cannot do this. racist episode that has come out of Criminal Minds. Please do not make my name searchable with this episode of Criminal Minds. Please. I won't. I'll actually bleep it out, but still. Thank you. Okay. Oh, and then they do give John a, a slightly mystical quote where he says, like, there's a, an old Native American saying that if enough blood has been spilled on ground, the ground becomes thirsty for more blood. Which, removed from his mysticism, I think, like, makes sense. Like, if there's land that's been fought over a bunch, it's going, it will continue to be fought over. That makes sense. Yeah, it's just the cycle of violence. Yeah. Um, but the way it would, but Hotch, like, <laughs> Hotch is wearing sunglasses, and I could still see him roll his eyes. Literally. Literally. All of Hotch's uh, worst traits really come out to play in this episode, huh? Yeah. But we do get a nice Hotch glare right at the beginning. Daddy okay. Hotch, why? We cannot. We cannot keep doing this. Josh writes. Not in this household, no. I swear no. to God. We cannot. <laughs> I like the idea people will be listening to this episode and then it'll be like, oh, you know what? And then it'll cut to like, so, come into mind. <laughs> <laughs> Please edit this episode like that. I'm going to have to do a disclaimer and it'll just be like me saying in a very monotone voice, I'm sorry this conversation makes no sense, but there was a very awful thing involving ships that shall not be named that we talked about here. Guys, I still have one, two, three, Like a million four, five, pages of six notes. Pages of notes in. Welcome to our whole life. John says, yes, these are Native American rituals, but like it's mixed tribal practices. You know, like they're not from, they're like Navajo, they're Chiricahua, they're... Arapaho, like there's mixed ones. Um, so it's like the people who did this would be like, they would have like a general knowledge of Native American traditions, but not know enough to like know that you don't mix like rituals and things. Um, and then he says like the sixth person would have been female because of the light step. She was ambushed by two men. And then he says like, there were like at least six people running single filedly down like the embankment on the side to hide their tracks. Which um, is really impressive way- to know, considering he didn't even walk over there. He was still standing in the place that he argued with Hotch. He was just like, psychic, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we love it? That's sarcasm. All right. <laughs> so they go back to the station and Reed's like, so do you think he did it? And Hotch is like, well, you know, um, if he was like, if he had done it, he would, like, try to look nervous or, like, try to not look guilty. But, like, he wasn't at all. And then John is, like, um, oh, John asks him, like, do you think I'm guilty? And then John says, like, when the Apache were trying to, like, make the people taking their land afraid of them, they didn't attack them. They, like, stole some of their sheep. They stayed set fires to their supplies they like made it clear that the people like weren't safe they didn't have to they said like killing is stupid because they don't make people like personally like vengeful on a personal level Mm -hmm. um and then jj comes over and says like you know if there was a woman with them there's no ransom no one's been reported missing like we don't know who that is and then john's like you know what i'll stay to give the profile and then he and then it cuts to like reed talking and i was like why is they just 
like really wanted him to stick around so they could feel like they were yeah. doing something good. He like he does add like one thing, but <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not great. You're taken to just yeah. mouthing. You're just taken just like mouthing white man no. <laughs> I don't want you to have to cut it so many times. It's hard. <laughs> Every time Spencer Reed, Jason Gideon, or Aaron Hotchner come up in this episode, I just instinctually like it's like a knee-jerk reaction to be like, a white man, no. <laughs> um and it kills me too because it's like it just cuts to Reed saying exactly what John said. They wouldn't have mixed practices. It shows knowledge without experience. Like it's literally exactly what John just said at the house. But now Reed has to say it so they'll listen to him. Yeah. And then But they don't but they don't make that clear. Like they're not like listen. It's clear to like you know how these cops are. Anybody who's not white. Like, you know, like Right. And it's especially clear to like any indigenous Native American who has ever had any kind of like situation with the cops where they're like, Yeah, just let the white boy talk because like these fuckers hate us. Like they're not gonna believe a single word that yep. comes out of my mouth. They already decided I did this. Yeah, and it even comes up because like one of the other cops, like because then when John does say something, one of the other cops is like, "So do you think that's true?" To read, I was like, "All right." Well, doesn't the other cop have like this like? So he's just like, so you're saying Native Americans wouldn't mix these sort of like different rituals, and then. John's just like, no, the Native Americans wouldn't be confused when they were doing this. <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> Which is such a good, funny line. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is the first time they bring up, like, the cult idea. Derek does get the, like, green screen backdrop. Cults either have a political, a religious, or a spiritual background, like, reason for doing what they're doing. Um, and they say that, like, she was kidnapped, which is usually a sign of like domestic terrorism. And they mentioned Patty Hearst, and I am so sorry, but Ingrid is no Patty Hearst. Who's Patty Hearst? Like, is this one of those things that was like when I was very young because I'm a tiny baby? James, I feel like is about to yell at me for being born in 1998 or something. So you know the phrase Stockholm syndrome? Yeah, that's Patty Hearst. Oh. She was kidnapped, held in Stockholm. She, by like a a kind of gang of bank robbers and things, militants, and she was converted to their side, Stockholm Syndrome style, ended up robbing a bank with them. And that's how it was found out that she was like with them. Um, And she like, to the end was on their side. It did come out later that she may have already been on their side and the kidnapping was staged to get her to them. Um, But she is, she is the Stockholm Syndrome woman who is patty hearst oh christ i'm sorry i was born in 1998 and grew up in iowa without any news i'm so sure this happened in like the 70s patty (laughs) hearst sorry i grew up in the middle of fucking nowhere with not even cable this isn't even the first time. It's 1974. She was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army. She was found and arrested 19 months later. Um, held in custody. I feel like that's not right. Uh, yeah. You know, like, I feel well, like 19 yeah. months isn't long enough to develop true Stockholm Syndrome. 
I say with no experience or no. any kind of, sort of <laughs> background except for like 15 seasons yeah. of Criminal Minds. I, so, yeah. So basically like at the trial, the prosecution was like she joined them of her own volition, but she testified that she had been like sexually assaulted and threatened with death and stuff. She was convicted for bank robbery, sent to 35 years in prison. And then her sentence was commuted by President Jimmy Carter and she was later pardoned by Bill Clinton. But basically like, by the time she was arrested, she had dropped to like 87 pounds. And like she was had that kind of like, um, a la Sarah Jean zombie war victim thing. Um, her IQ measured at 112, where it had been 130. She like had huge gaps in her memory. Hmm. Um, but like, no one's like really sure if it like was brainwashing, or if she like, was voluntarily kind of doing all of that hmm. um yeah so yes anyway so that is what stockholm syndrome is i feel like at least once an episode we have a moment where i ask who's that or what's that and james is like you fucking idiot you tiny <laughs> fucking child i'm gonna punt you like a football and every time You're i'm like that yeah. much younger than i am i'm really not <laughs> sorry i'm 23 years old <laughs> Don't say that like I'm 40 and you're 12. But like, you you're always fucking, have like, that distaste. Barely five like... years. <laughs> Children. I feel like teenagers these days. I feel like my siblings are fighting and I just. <laughs> <laughs> this is us every episode. Um, okay. Who's Patty Hearst? <sighs> Watch the fucking Netflix documentary. <gasps> I saw that. You didn't know either. What is wrong with you guys? I didn't ever care to find out. Yeah, John Wolf says, I'm not confused. Um, it's probably domestic terrorism, et cetera, et cetera, maybe a cult. And they go into the into Jim's office. And JJ's like, I think they're framing the Native Americans. And she explains, like, they're turning public opinion against the Native Americans because they're fighting the land grab. And then that conversation turns into... Um, the gym saying like, well, there is the ADU, which is the American Defense Union run by Roy Minton, which I, I will be calling him Roy because I hate that last name. He, um, and they could not have come up with like a more obvious front for white racist people than American Defense Union. You could not have come oh up with a more God. obvious one if you tried. Like, like if this was, if this episode had come out in like a post-Trump world, they would be called the like, defending or like the taking back like if the only way it could be worse if it was like taking back america literally you know <laughs> literally yeah. um and they get described as like minutemen along the texas mexico texas border but for native americans and they're against and they hate that the native americans are or they let's say they think that and therefore hate that the native americans are against progress and against labor because they don't want the development happening, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know what JJ said. I think JJ says something like, sounds like someone we need to talk to. I don't know. I just wrote, JJ, get his ass. <laughs> <coughs> so whatever JJ did there, they get Royan. He fucking hates Native American people. He's like, my family has been here for 150 years, which like, okay, that's, that's nothing. America's more than... 150 years old you haven't even been here for all of all of country time whatever um he's the one fighting the native mixed people in court the adu has 200 members and 450 registered guns and roy is like 
we're just exercising our Second Amendment rights. And Derek says, like, that's not exercising rights. 450 guns, that's just being paranoid, which good for you, Derek Morgan. Literally. Yeah. Um, and then the team is like, it's probably not them because if it was going to be them, they wouldn't be forming, like, unions or, like, putting cases into court, you know, like, these people would take direct action. But, like, let's put Roy under surveillance. So then Garcia calls, and they have an NCIC print match for Ingrid, who was, her, like, fingerprints were on the glass door, but she wasn't among the victims, so we know that she's missing. She, like, had to get, she went to university in Texas, um, and to get a Texas driver's license, you need to do your fingerprints. That's how they have her fingerprints. So they go to visit her parents, her dad, and it's Ellen JJ, besties. Jail right. I love when they go places together because they are always such a fun, odd couple to deal with. They just like hate men, but Elle is like very upfront about it, and JJ like does her best to hide it. <laughs> yeah, I just think they're a fun duo, and I, they I are. love when we get little, little bits of them. Jail rights. Okay. So that yeah, see that okay. one. I'll leave them. I'll leave that one in the podcast. I mean, that's just discrimination, honestly. <laughs> censoring okay. your jochness opinions or whatever yes biphobia and pride month to hate crime <gasps> b you're hate criming me yeah, yeah. how does that feel yeah i am <laughs> fuck you and fuck your bad opinions <laughs> wow i'm not i'm not hating you because you're bi i'm hating you because you have terrible ship opinions there's a difference and like low-key bad taste in men exactly so incorrect no i think sid and i are right actually i'm on i'm on me and sid's side of this one you can't be on your own (laughs) exactly i'm absolutely on my own side criminal let's keep going even even like my opinion is that men are gross unless they play rugby and have thighs that could crush my head like and I've met oh, Jason okay. Momoa, and he meets all of those criteria. And like, eh, you know, my type, my type of guy is like the Witcher, Skinny boy or like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and also Aaron Hodgson, Geralt of Rivia, just, ultimate male wife. I think you just like men who simp for their wives. I think that's just it. You like men who have. Bi- I think yeah. you're just really into it when men like. <laughs> I like you know if a man has bi wife energy, I am. I'm here exactly. I think you just are very into like male wife manipulate mansplain as a concept. I think that's just you, unfortunately. Male wife manipulate mansplain. It's the alternative Is that to the girl opposite boss. of <laughs> <laughs> to gaslight gatekeep girl boss. <laughs> male wife manipulate mansplain. I think it's okay if the male wife comes first and is very like the most prominent of that trio, but I like all of them in mm. general. Okay. Okay. Criminal life. You have to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> this has like unfortunate like. Okay. This has like sleepover energy. I think it does. Okay. Ingrid's mother died when she was fourteen. The Ingrid was fourteen, not the mom. Um, she lives at her own place. She goes to school. The last time she spoke to her dad was weeks ago, which like mood saved me in college. Um. So, like, the dad is, like, I didn't report her missing because, like, I will go more than a bit without talking to her. So, they ask, like, 
hey, have there been any threats against her? Have you anything unusual happened? The dad says no. And the Hotch is like, I think this is politically motivated. So like anything you could tell us. And the dad says no. JJ's like, okay, we're going to need to have you talk on the news because like we're going to make this personal to the kid, like kidnappers, like let her know, let them know she's a real person, that you're like looking for her, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and like ask them not to hurt her and hopefully it'll like stop them from hurting her. Um, and then they, Elle is like, do you think that dad did it? And Hotch is like, well, people who are not guilty will blame themselves. Um, like they'll be like, oh, I should have done something. I should have known, et cetera. Um, but he didn't, this guy didn't do that. And he's like, the dad's definitely guilty, like of something. So then we cut. He's away. I Dude, love the when they just decide that he's guilt, that people are guilty of something, but they don't know what. That's my yeah. favorite, least favorite things Criminal Minds does. They're just suspicious. like, guilty he's suspicious. of being a white man. <laughs> white man, no. <laughs> Especially when we find out what this dude did. So dumb. All right. News on the TV in the hotel room. It's two guys watching the news. And one of these guys has played played a vampire in one of the first few episodes of Buffy because I recognize him so much and I've only seen the first few episodes of Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, the girl is just, like, sitting on the bed, like, gagged, but not even really gagged. There's just, like, you know, a sock around her mouth or something. And the one guy is like, hey, come here. Like, look at the TV. Yeah. And Elle is like, hey, we got a phone call. And Hotch is like, oh, cool. Has, like, the dad been prepped? And Elle's like, they don't want to talk to him. So, Elle, like, Hotch is like, Hello? And the guy's like, yeah, hey, um, we have the girls. We'll give you her and we'll turn ourselves in. Just, like, don't tell the dad. And Hot is like, um, what? And he's like, the dad paid us to kidnap her. You know, This is oh, such oh, a oh. weird subplot. Yeah. Well, I, it's one of those things that, like, if it just, it didn't ha- just so happen <laughs> to be on the same night as the cult killings, they drive out to the middle of fucking nowhere, abandoned town, whatever. And the two guys are there like shirtless and they like immediately drop to their knees and they <laughs> keep your shirt on. They drop to their knees, put their hands up and they're like, we're unarmed, arrest us, do whatever you want. The girl's in the van. So Elle goes and gets her and she like won't talk. And then it cuts to them in the interrogation room. <laughs> Back to the station. They're interviewing Greason, the dad, and then the two guys. And the guys are like, Greason hired us to kidnap her. Or no, he, they were like, he hired us for real work. And that was nice because he took a chance on us because we have records. And then he hired us to kidnap her. And he was like, don't hurt her. I'll be there in the evening. But then he didn't show up. And so he was like, sorry, I'll be there tomorrow. Didn't show up. And then when they saw the press conference, they were like, what the fuck? Like, you you kidnapped her so they <laughs> turned themselves in they were like look we didn't want to do it we don't want to go back to jail like we really just needed the money and like we needed to keep our jobs that kind of thing and jj is watching and she's like it's a weird story but they're both telling the same story and i was like yeah jj good assessment they are, telling the same story. <laughs> they are being we never find out what happens to these guys by the way <laughs> this is the first time no nothing nothing comes of it uh i think this is the first time we see her like watching this like she gets an input they really stepped up her game in this episode i'm looking forward to the they gave her lines man they literally like lines we, for jj we've paid aj cook like two thousand dollars for this whole season we should make her do some work. <laughs> <laughs> two thousand dollars yeah probably don't 
okay, so Gideon goes to talk to the dad with Hotch. And the dad's like, I want my phone call. And Hotch is like, well, we want the names of the other people. Great job, cops. Okay. Um, that's basically that whole scene. Reed and Derek go to the hospital. <laughs> Guys, here calls Derek. And Reed's like, don't worry, I'll go in. Like, it's fine. He goes into the hospital room where Ingrid is. And he's like, hi, I'm Spencer Reed. I'm the FBI, blah, blah. And he's like, can we, like, talk? And then she gives her name and her social security number. And he's like, huh? And she does it again. And he's just like, mm-hmm. I'll be right back. And, <laughs> and he, like, leaves. leaves forever. He never interacts <laughs> with her again. He just bolts. Yeah. And he's like, no, thank you. He, just, um, he subscribed so- to the Jason Gideon school of just running away from things you don't understand. I'm so sorry, but, like, Jason Gideon, the boy that's like, I think I'm gay, but my girlfriend says I'm going to burn in hell. And he goes, burn in hell? And then just bolts. <laughs> Way to traumatize a gay child, Jason Gideon. Literally. Literally. Okay. Hotch gets the phone call um, and is like, oh, she's doing the thing that prisoners of war do, where they only give their name and social security number, um, and that she hasn't been at school for a year. And this is where they're like, okay, it's definitely a call. So we cut to a cop sitting outside of Roy's house, the ADU guy. And he's like, I'm bored. They look like they're asleep, whatever. And then you see the flash of a knife. And then there's blood. And then they're screaming. And then it cuts back to the guy. And he's like, I'm in his chair with like a blood splatter across the front as if someone just like stuck their hand into the window and like slid his throat. Yeah, very funny. Um, okay, so we go back to the dad, and he finds that the dad, like, ca- called a deprogrammer to try and, like, get his daughter out of the cult. I want to note here, it has now officially been zero episodes since we've had a little hair at the bottom of the lens. Again, I have to note this every single fucking time. There was a little really? tiny hair or piece of futz at the very bottom of the lens during this interview scene with um with the dad. It's officially been zero episodes, y'all. It's only on one specific close-up of the dad when they're going between him and Hotch. It's on his side of that little convo. But yeah, it's at the very center bottom. It's just like a little hair. And again, I have to remind folks that they were still shooting on film at this point in time. (sighs) Yeah, you can tell. Okay, so the dad is like, yeah, I did know she was on a call. That's why I kidnapped her um reprogrammer blah, blah blah and then hotch is like three children were killed a five-year-old an eight-year-old and an 11 year old and the parents were killed and they're like we need the info from your dad and in- so he says fine i'll tell you ingrid in her first semester started acting strange started having this weird jargon and then she disappeared and they're like what kind of jargon and they say and the dad's like i don't know she would say stuff like trespasser and you have no right to be here and their grandfather was taught by the Gahe. Like, if my kids started saying that shit, I'd be like, who are your friends? What are you into? What is and that? also, come home. We're getting you a therapist. Oh, so you're staying home. Yeah, exactly. School has literally school has overstressed you. If my child like, starts spewing off about some culture they don't understand, I'm like, no, you're staying here and learning to stay in your lane, kid. Like, yeah. So now they're talking about the leader of the cult. And they say, okay, he's got like an interest or an affinity for the Apache. Um, he's probably got a history of misdemeanors, like thefts. And Derek is like, this is them, like all in the 
precinct being like, you know, he's probably got like petty crime stuff, blah, blah. And this is where JJ is like, well, why don't we look at school records? She went to school and started acting weird. So maybe she met him there. And everyone's like, that's a good idea. Literally, I was like, oh, yeah, girl, good. I was like, damn, yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, intelligence and looks. Damn. <laughs> uh, JJ does have it all, doesn't she? JJ, are they paying you more than me this episode? <laughs> so they're like, we got to find him. This could turn into like a spree killing. Um, and they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring Ingrid to the house. So they bring her to Roy's house and they're like walking, they're going to walk her around, all that kind of stuff. When they get there, John is there and he's been missing for a while, but he's back. He's back. Well, and right, yeah, and John's like, hey, I'm John Black Wolf. And Ingrid is like, I know who you are. You're John Black Wolf. Your father was Richard Black Wolf. Benjamin Bob, Bob. Black Wolf. Oh, thank you. So they go into the house. They're looking around so bloody. She's like clearly like affected by the blood, but she's trying to be strong. And then she's saying like, you're trespassers. Like, you're not a real Apache. Like, we're gonna, there's only two types of, and he's literally, she goes, you're not a real Apache. And his face is like, fucking excuse me, white girl. What the fuck you say, little white girl? Yeah. And she says, he's like, what do you mean? And she says, there are two types of people, the Apache and those who trespass against us. Which right away tells you they're incorrect. Because that's literally, like, the Lord's Prayer, right? There is a specific line that says, yeah. Forgive us forgive those who trespass against us. Trespass against us. As we forgive those forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yeah. So it's like very clearly like this is not Apache culture at all. And that continues because like she says, like, I'm a real Apache. I was sent to the desert for a test by the Gahe. We're a new tribe sent to reclaim the sacred land. He gives her that face again and she's like and John is like, You're so wrong though, because like do you don't even know where the name Apache comes from? It's a Zuni word, comes from a Zuni word, Apachu, which means enemy. You should refer to us as Dene or the people. And you'd know that if you were really, if you really cared about it. And she compares them to the Jews wandering lost in the desert looking for a Messiah. And he's like, there's no Dene Messiah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that is Mixing so... and matching. Yeah. So this is where we like really get that this is just like some bullshit they've concocted. Um, and he says like, the Gahe aren't fairies. They're not God. And he like grabs a pillow off the girl's bed and like puts it in her face and is like, this is not the blood of an enemy. Like this is the blood of a child. Like you killed a little girl. And she's all like crying or whatever. Um, and then she's like, no, you're wrong. Like we're going to win. We who dwell in the deadlands. And as soon as she says that, he's like, oh. And then it cuts to him being like, so these are the dead lands. <laughs> they really do like a hard cut. Like, anyway, yeah. so this is where they are. Mm -hmm. And it's 100 square miles. So they're like, we got to narrow that down some. Um, and now that we get the name Jackson, Ca Jackson Cowley, who was expelled from Dare Mesa University for drugs, peyote. He's been to four schools. And every time he majors in Native American studies, keeps getting kicked out. And then they say that he and Ingrid met at the seminar. And that's when John is like, oh, that's how they know me. And they know about me because I've guest lectured in that seminar for four years now. 
Um, I'd just like to insert here and- that if a white boy ever tells you he did peyote, run. Run in the opposite direction as fast as you possibly can and don't stop. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I know about peyote is that episode of Community where Britta comes in and her hair is like huge with like sticks and twigs and she's like, how long does peyote last? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Britta, who is, I can excuse the racism I draw the line. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Carry on. <laughs> I can excuse the racism, but I draw the line on animal cruelty. <laughs> you can excuse the racism. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Peyote is like one of those drugs white people shouldn't do for fun. Um, like so many. Okay. John was a guest lecturer there. Great. We learned that this guy has no address because the college is like nomads and things, but there's an abandoned motel on Route 9 in the Deadlands. They go to the motel. The music is, the music in this scene slaps. It really does. I was, I was like, ooh, party time. It was such a now. fucking bop. I think. Yeah. Let me double check here, but I think it is by the Ribeye Brothers. Oh. I, feel like I know. Um, I this song. Yeah. Okay. By looking that up, we see a man with his back turned. They're like, Jason Kelly, Jason Kelly, come on. And then Hotch goes, grandfather. And the guy turns around and it's some like fucking 22-year-old dweebo. Yeah, literally. And and they're like, where are the others? And they're like, the others are hunting. Okay, here's my question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, If the people with Ingrid were the cult, why did the cult like murder them though? I, I don't know, because I had a question about that too. Like, did she just... Make did she go there outside of the cult to try and let her folks know when it was time to come in, or like how did she make friends oh. with them? She's already like a catatonic zombie. Like what? Like did she go oh, like there she- to like open a door for somebody? Oh, like she went outside with the candle to be like, come on in. This like, is maybe our signal she wouldn't to go. Have- Didn't she? Yeah, maybe- like, she got brought home. Like, dad brought her home to be deprogrammed. Yes? Yeah. Okay. So she gets brought home to be deprogrammed. He hasn't seen her in a few weeks since she got out of jail? Got out of deprogramming? Well, she's been she, the cult people did she follow get- her. No, so I, so I think that she was kidnapped. His plan was grab her. Okay. Separate her from the cult, take her to the deprogram. So I don't, but I don't think that the people they killed were cult members. I think it was like her in her hometown. She's partying yeah. with some hometown butts, but actually doing it as like yeah. a cult task. Because she, yeah. Like yeah. she's like looking out the window and she goes outside, seemingly like she's like bored of the party, doesn't want to be there, but she's kind of like checking in with like the timing of things almost yeah. and then goes outside and just like literally gets kidnapped as they're running down the hill like the timing is that's true oh uh, yeah it makes me yeah. wonder though because like she was there with a guy right that was the third sleeping bag so like had she been like hey guy from high school like why don't you grab two of your friends who are in couples and we can go fucking this abandoned development like it just it just didn't make any sense to me i suddenly had that moment of like 
wait, I thought she was only friends with a couple people now. So like, why are they killing? Yeah, me? it's it's they don't explain. They don't explain it. Yeah. We have no. to, we have to guess yeah. basically. But yeah, she okay. was with the cult, and I believe she was doing it as like a cult task. Yeah. Okay. We're on the last page and three quarters. We're on the last page. Let's go. Criminal Minds. Okay. Okay. So they start talking about Jackson Callie. And Reed says he was a foster child who bounced around from home to home. He was a sad but unrum foster care. Like bouncing around from home to home. He was a sad but unremarkable statistic. That line was weird, right? That was a weird yeah. fucking line, right? It it was like there are they condemning foster care or are they just like yeah that's the reality of foster care or like but then in the past like four episodes they've had that whole like nuclear family agenda so is this part of that nuclear family agenda has now (sighs) reed been taken over by it it's just spencer reed not having any kind of emotional intelligence still like yeah like yeah your dad did leave you and your mother isn't caring for you. And I'm sorry, but that's a sad but unremarkable statistic. Literally. Like, yeah. And then he says, oh, this was what I was telling you before. He says that he did have an IQ of 189. No one. I wanted someone to be like, so higher than yours. Because <laughs> Reed is 187. What? I did want someone to be like, oh, so so smarter than you then. Or no one said anything. Reed, that would have been Reed would be three, the worst cult leader of all time. Yeah. It would only be like 12-year-old girls. To 13-year-old girls. He has... I forget (laughs) that there are Spencer stands. A tweet came up on my Twitter that was like, all men should be like Spencer Reed. And I was like... What? I don't get it. What? How do you watch that show and say, "Mm, yeah, give me some of that trauma pie. With a slice of emotional <laughs> stuntedness. I just, I just, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to waste a lot of time, but I just, I do not understand this fucking ride or die people have for Spencer Reed. I do not get it. And the way that that ride or die for Spencer Reed turns into absolute hatred for everybody who so much as like looks at him wrong. It is, it is bonkers bananas to him. I am ride or die for JJ and Emily, but I can talk about their bad points. I can talk about their shitty scenes. I don't judge people for not liking them unless they don't like them because only because they like Spencer of their interactions with Spencer. Yeah. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it. Also, anyway, like, I don't hate Spencer Reed, but like he's a smart kid and that's all they really gave him for a very long time. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of like 20 cast members on the show. Right. Like, and there are yeah. more <laughs> cast members on that show. Much, much. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I was just waiting for them to, like, make a joke about his IQ compared to this guy's, but they don't. Um, okay, so the guy, Jackson Callie, when he's 18, he did 22 months in prison for auto theft, and apparently he, like, found religion in there, and he was, like, a, he was cunning, a voice of personality. He, like, convinced someone to kill for him. Um, this is where they call Jackson Callie an expert profiler. They want everybody um, which, to be a profiler so fucking yeah. bad. This really reminds me of an episode later on, no spoilers, just like a moment, where Hotch is like, I thought everyone wanted to be a profiler. And JJ's like, ew, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I like my job. Um, it just reminded me of that. Where, like this whole episode, they're like, he's a profiler for the dirt. 
He's a profiler to call. I feel like they were like, like, we don't know if we're going to get a season two, so let's just make everybody want to be a profiler so they fight if we get canceled. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay, so Hodge is like, I'm going to play into that delusion. So Jackson Callie sees that Hodge isn't just a cop, and he's like, I don't teach murder, I teach love love for the land, love for your people, blah, blah. And he's like, the Apache will remember their true self. Um, and John the whole time has this look on his face that is so bad. Um, I I am going to say something that I know is going to upset you. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Jackson Kelly says that he believes that white people will blame the Apache and that they will go back to the savage animals that they are. And that's what makes John snap. As it um, should, which good for deserved. Him. Yeah, yeah. Part of me was like, part of me was like, I don't like that they did end up making him resort to violence. But on the other hand, like, this was the moment to do it. You know that, like, deserved. he. Isn't, I think he deserved he, he, to beat up yeah. Jackson County's white ass. I think he really yeah. deserved that. And it was nice that like John didn't have to be the bigger person. You know, he didn't have to say like it's fine. Probably the only moment in the whole show that I was like. Yeah, this was the correct move. Yeah. And then they like leave the room and John is like, no, I just want to talk to him. Let me in there. I'll get him to talk. And then and then Derek is like, okay, back up, back up. And John just goes, you can tell him he's welcome on my reservation anytime. And everyone is just like, okay. <laughs> I was, I loved John this whole episode, but that moment when he was just like, yeah, he's welcome to talk to me anytime. I was like, Yes, please. He was, Let him hit people. He was the most interesting and good part of this very, yeah. very bad episode. And I think knowing that he was Native American, like a phrase like that would be like as an as a like person, Gregory Cruz, probably was like a moment when I can react <laughs> as I would like to to this phrase into this line of thinking you know i wonder too oh, if that line was actually written or if it was just like a throwaway and a take that they were like yeah we'll keep this yeah it seems too too yeah. smart for them to have actually written you know yeah, yeah. it seems smarter it than the rest he, of the episode i could see them writing a line and being like this is upsetting and then gregory cruz be like oh you want something really upsetting that would really resonate, you know, like him being the one to suggest it. Yeah. Um, so so then they're like, okay, Justin Callie was revealed. He's just a racist in the end. You Shocking. Know. Um, yeah, and they talk about Helter Skelter. And you know, it's interesting. This is the first time I've heard Helter Skelter described in a way that made me like fully understand what Manson wanted. Because like I knew that like his whole thing was like, I'm going to incite a race war. Of course, he meant between white people and black people. Like, there are other races, but like, cool. He wanted to incite a race war, and then black people would win, and then he would become the leader of the black people because black people at the core are not strong enough to be leaders. And I think that last little piece was what I had always been missing. I was like, I was like, what does he get out of a race war? Um, the answer is to then lead whatever race wins. Um, so, but I, I did write, oh, Helter Skelter. I get it. It's one of the most overused true crime yeah. <laughs> events, right? Yeah. Um, so then they say there's a bunch of guns missing from Roy's house. All of his guns, people took them. 
Um, so now they're like, okay, so what they switch tactics instead of using quote unquote Apache methods to kill white people to inspire the race war, we'll use white people's guns to kill Apache people to incite the race war. Because again, it goes to that like they will have to defend themselves if they're attacked kind of mentality. Um, and then they call the school, tell them ahead of time. I think they did a really interesting, they did a good little criminal mind switcheroo here where you like see Jane Baird teaching the class mm-hmm. and then it cuts to like Jason and John getting there and you see the people with the guns and then it cuts to them like in a closet and the room is empty. Yeah, they did they a really- a few times. They had, yeah, it was, a, it was a nicely laid out cut so they didn't spend more time than they needed getting kids yeah. to one place. They were just like, and they teleport yeah. and you believe it. Goodbye. <laughs> like they, Yeah, it was like a fast way of getting us the information that like Hotch and John are the only ones there. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of, like, people with fighting ability, I guess. Yeah. With skill. Um, and that the kids were being taken care of. I will say, one thing I really liked was that Jane was not a fighter. They didn't do the thing where they were, like, every adult Apache, like, will know how to defend it. Like, you know, they did a good job of being, like, she's a teacher. She's not going to, you know be able to do the stand your ground thing and that she got to be um not an ag- does that make any sense they didn't make everybody an aggressive stereotype they only made one dude <laughs> yeah like i feel like so often like not even just like um like in the case of like native american people but like a lot of times it's like if they have a militia then like everybody knows how to fight and use guns you know and it's very rare that you just have like you know, some people there are just going to be there to teach. Some people are just going to be cooks. You yeah. Know? Um, so I like that they did that in this episode. Um, okay. And then we have the fucking Rambo sequence. <laughs> okay, yeah. So John is like, don't use your gun. Use your baton. And then he says something like, there are many paths to the same like end goal. And Hotch, Hotch manages to be double racist and say, by the way, you sound like a fortune cookie. I mean, yes, Yikes. yes, very, very racist of Hodge. Also, true, they do have him continually pulling these, like, sayings that I cannot confirm are actually true, like, Apache, like, beliefs. Though I googled many of them and deep dove, he does low-key keep pulling this shit out of the dirt. And like, it's like, I, I want to be critical of it, but like Jason Gideon does pull Bible quotes out of fucking nowhere a lot. Which is also a problem. <laughs> right. It's like one of those things where like, if anybody is religious, they are like, or, or like spiritual or like come from a non-white Eurocentric like background, they just... They know their texts backward and forward. They know all of the idioms. They know all the rituals. It's like some people are just like casually religious. And like, yeah, no, I don't, I cannot speak to like American indigenous people. What are you, Canada? Not the shit we pull out. Like, it's just, we're like, you want to cook for me? Yeah, great. This is how we, like, discuss our, like, trauma and our love. We don't pull, like, idioms out of thin air all the time and be like, our ancestors. Like, no, we do, like, 
we talk about trauma in informed, meaningful ways, and we don't sound like we want to uh, write a memoir. I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying (laughs) to think of like what like white equivalent would be, and I think it'd be like Southern people being like, you know, you don't sneak up from behind on a donkey unless you want to kick in the stump. You know, like those weirdo Southern people quotes. That's the only thing I can think of that's comparable, and it's like. We not, definitely don't you know? know those weird of Southern people things, but I believe you that they exist. Oh, I do. There's just like a lot of those, like, you know, if you see a frog out in the rain, you know there'll be corn in May. Like, it's like so much of that shit that's like, what? Don't question um, it. It's a thing. It's a real thing. Ooh, Rambo okay. sequence. Fight sequence. Rambo Fight sequence. sequence. Yeah. Hotch isn't allowed to use his gun. So um we get some classic Hotch with his cuffs rolled up, just beating the shit out of people. Ugh, I'm here for Your horn is on. Okay. Yeah. Um, first I was corny, and then I cried. Okay. The cult guy sees a door open. Hotch beats him with a baton. There's two others, and they hear the kids coughing. One of them sees the beaten guy. Hotch appears behind him and beats him up. The other one, John, beats up. Uh, then the guy the guy pulls a knife on John and they're doing this like stabby jumpy thing um, but then John does win and is like, like like slices his ankle and the guy falls and he's like stay down and the guy doesn't so he like stabs him in the side uh, and then Hotch is like get down and like shoots someone who's about to shoot John and then John looks up and says you just had to shoot someone didn't you and and Hosh like rolls his eyes like oh you um and then they go outside and they're like wow you took them all down without a single shot and john's like well there was one shot captain america here couldn't help couldn't keep his gun put away actually amazing especially considering the marvel universe had not yet blown up that was like a real like this guy knows comic books which was like such like a where was that if an episode about a Native American, like, guy who, like, gives these quotes all the time, but they're, like, from comics. As it should be. That is the true thing I was robbed of with this episode. Yes. Yeah. So then um, Hotch quotes John and is like, there are many ways to go down the same path, whatever the fucking quote. He quotes him back and John's like, whoa. Okay. He looks Cut way two. too pleased for that for the way that that situation ended up. John should have had a moment. Picked his ass, but John Blackwolf, Aaron Hotchner, enemies to like, just low key gotten a knife to Hotch's neck just to prove a point, and been like, I I expected that to come back, even if like. If even if Hotch had shot the woman and then John was like, just had to shoot someone, and Hotch could have been like, you were within 21 feet, but it didn't look like you like if there was some like I thought that fight scene was when the 21 feet was gonna come back. Um God, I would have loved more homoerotic tension in this episode. Or uh, anything other than the racism, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cut to a diner hotch walking into a diner <laughs> the scientist by cold place playing <laughs> on the jukebox who hotch the fuck apologizes. goes up to a jukebox and plays cold play 
First of all, why does this do your butt stuff called Don Mulaney bit where he's like, they put, <laughs> yes. put Snoop Pussycat on working time, but like do that with the yeah. scientist. And there's one science and faith thrown in there <laughs> every seven songs. Yeah. Okay. So Hotch apologizes to Sean. He's like, you got to do this your way. Um, and then Sean's like, well, I shouldn't have been so mean to you. You're not dad, blah, blah, blah. And then. Hotch is like, so what's good to eat around here? And Sean's, Sean's like, can I get you a beer? Um, and it ends with the Hachi boys eating their food. End of episode. <sighs> well, that only took, let's see, about an hour and 40 minutes. Nope, so there's an extra, nope, it's 2 or 2.20 about. Oh, I did mean, I did mean two hours. And yeah, yep, yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's two So this episode's a zero, right? Oh, yeah. Across the board. Sid gets the honor of our very first guest rating, and it's also our very first zero rating. You know what? I give it .001 for JJ getting lines. .001. Perfect. You've broken the mold. And you (laughs) have our first guest rating, and also... We get rounded down, so like overall, whole episode is a zero. Right. JJ, 10s across the board every day. JJ's a 10 out of 10 every episode. (laughs) However, there's one episode where JJ's 10 out of 10 is elevated to like a 15 out of 10 for me. And that's much later down the line. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. We will get to JJ's 20 out of 10s. Zero out of zeros. They said that, did they say the name? They did say it's a tribe. Unfortunately. They didn't say wheels up. They I'm did so not mad. say wheels up still. They're just teleporting places. I'm so mad about it. Yeah, we got no plane scenes. Not a single one. They just teleported to New Mexico. They couldn't afford wow, the set for a plane. Y'all, come on. That's true. I feel they like- They have one built. No, they have a- They have one built, but you can't afford to do that many days in a soundstage when you're also on location shooting in like the desert sure. a whole bunch. So like, I get it. Ugh. Yeah, sure. They're in California. You know they didn't even go to New Mexico. I know, but they (laughs) were still out out in the desert, so. Sure. Y'all, that was this whole Uh episode. It was bad across the board. Uh We got any any, any final things anybody wants to add before before we do our outro? Don't be racist again. (sighs) That was shitty. That was a shitty racist episode. It was a bad race. I have one more thought. I have just one yeah. more. And uh-huh. thank you for letting me come stream on your podcast. Uh, my final thought for this episode yeah, is just no white men. And if folks mm-hmm. want to hear more from you, where can they do that, Sid? You can plug your socials here if oh, you want. So not, I don't really care. Uh, I tweet a lot about basketball. If y'all are interested in that, at what is my Twitter? At CrowSid. That's fun. <laughs> Um, I'm on the Discord. My Instagram is also crossed. I'm very boring. Everything is just those two things put together. So come holla. I like friends. And yeah. Thanks for coming on this episode and yelling about white people. Yeah, thank you, really. Anytime. (laughs) After two and a half hours of me just saying, a white man? No! Uh, y'all are present to ever invite me back, but uh, anytime. I'm always down. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. James, wait, I have to do our housekeeping things. Um, 
This episode is actually coming out right before the 4th of July. So remember whose fucking land you're on, because it ain't yours. Fuck America. Um, <laughs> and also, you can find us at Wheels Up Pod everywhere. You know that by now. You're already here. You're already in the shit if you're listening this far in. You're already kind of kind of obsessed with us. That's weird. Stop it. James. <laughs> James, what's our ending line? Take us out, babes. As John Blackwolf says, big mistake. So true, King. So true. She said that and I went, I went, yeah, all of this is a big mistake. <laughs> so true, King. Into the recording so we can be free from this hell. Also, hold on, I think it did remind me of that.